Good morning. We had a lot going on earlier as I was uh, congratulating people getting a year older and all this welcoming the Mexico team back. And we look forward to hearing their stories. But I also want to recognize, uh, I think she's done this twice since she's been in high school, but Jessica Tidwell just won the national championship with her cheerleading squad last week for Robert E. Lee. Congratulations, Jessica. That's an awesome, awesome treat. Isn't it twice that y'all have won it since you've been in high school? Wow. They have nowhere to go but down. No, I mean, you're, you're really, really good. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. Well, this is going to be a fun day. I can just feel the joy of Jesus, can't you? He's all over this campus. New members and people feeling better today. It's always neat. People walk up to you and go, Pastor, I'm feeling so much better. <laughs> or whatever. Or, man, I, I was throwing up yesterday, but I'm here. You, you don't realize what that does for me. I mean, I'm so excited you're here, but when you say that, I just want to go disinfect, you know? So uh, I have a friend around here I leave nameless. He might be the smartest person because I like to hug everybody, but in the winter season, I get a little paranoid about what I just hugged. And there's this one person I know at Christ me, and they're always like this. They go, hey, how's everybody doing? Y'all doing? Yeah, real good, you know? And they don't want to shake nobody's hand. Okay. So anyway, I just thought I'd do that for us that are germophobic. Okay. If you have a Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We've been there in previous weeks. We'll continue there with about another 13, 14 scriptures. But we're going through the Lord's Prayer together. And as we look there, let's just uh, quickly see what it says. It talks about our Father in heaven there in verse 9. He says, Hallowed be your name. If your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And now today, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. One translation says, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, those who have sinned against us. So we're really going to be talking about forgiveness this morning, but there's a message truth I want you to look at the top of your worship guide. I think maybe it says it well from David Jeremiah. Jesus says that those who live by God's forgiveness must imitate it. Circle the word imitate. We need to imitate. We need to be imitators of Jesus Christ. A person whose only hope is that God will not hold his faults against him forfeits his right to hold others' faults against them. Forgiveness is not natural. It is supernatural. See, in the church of Jesus Christ, we're about the supernatural activity of an almighty, all-conquering king. His name is Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we don't live like we have power, but I'm going to assure you, friend, if you've received Christ as Savior, if He's become the Lord of your life, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, you could be pushing Him down, you could be grieving Him, is what the Scripture says, but you have power in Jesus' name to be an overcomer. So we're going to talk about forgiving today. I found a story from David Jeremiah called Prayer, the Great Adventure. If you come into my study, I've probably got a hundred and something books on prayer. I hope to add one to that in 08. Uh, authored by your pastor. We'll see how that goes. But I want you to uh, look. Uh, well, you can't look. I'll have to read it to you. On about a page 135 in this particular book, he, he talks about forgiveness, and he tells a story. I've heard stories like this by Corey Ten Boom and others, but when I read this, I was taken back. So I want you to listen to these words. Many years ago, Simon Wessenthal, a former prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp and a crusader to bring the perpetrators to judgment, wrote a book called The Sunflower. At the beginning of his book, Wessenthal describes an experience he had one afternoon in Poland. The author, Louis Smeeds, recounts in his own book, Forgive and Forget. 
He had been aside to clean the rubbish out of a hospital that the Germans had impoverished for wounded or had improvised for wounded soldiers and carried in from the Eastern Front. A nurse walked over to him out of nowhere, took his arm, ordered him to come with her, and led him upstairs along a row of stinking wounded to the side of a bed where a young soldier, his head wrapped in yellow pus-stained bandages, was dying. He was maybe 22. He was an SS trooper. The soldier, whose name was Carl, reached out and grabbed Wessenthal's hand. He clamped it as if he feared Wessenthal would run away. He told Wessenthal this story, that he had to speak to a Jew. He had to confess the terrible things he had done so that he could be forgiven, or he could not die in peace. What had he done? He was fighting in a Russian village where a few hundred Jewish people had been rounded up. His group was ordered to plant full cans of gasoline in a certain house. And then they marched about 200 people into the house. They crammed them in until they could not hardly move. And next they threw grenades through the windows to set the house on fire. The soldiers were ordered to shoot anyone who tried to jump out of a window. The young soldier recalled, Behind the window of the second floor, I saw a man with a small child in his arms. His clothing was alight. By his side stood a woman, doubtless the mother of a child. And with his free hand, the man covered the child's eyes, and he jumped into the street. Seconds later, the mother followed. We shot. Oh, my God, I shall never forget it. It haunts me. The young man paused, and then he said, I know that what I have told you is terrible. I have longed to talk about it to a Jew and beg forgiveness from him. I know that what I'm asking is almost too much, but without your answer, I cannot now die in peace. Silence. The sun was high in heaven, and God was somewhere, but here two strangers were all by themselves caught in the crisis of forgiveness. A member of the super race begged to be forgiven by a member of the condemned race. Wessenthal tells us what he did. I stood up and I looked in his direction and his folded his hands. And at last I made up my mind and without a word I left the room. The German went to God, unforgiven by man. Wessenthal survived this concentration camp, but he could not forget the SS trooper. He wondered, troubled for a long time, whether he should have forgiven the soldier. He told the story in his book, The Sunflower, and ended it with an awful question for every reader. What would you have done? We have people in here that have fought in World War II up to current battles. We have young men and women that have been in Iraq even this morning. It's a tough world, isn't it? What do we long for? Well, every soul that God created longs to be forgiven. A lot of atrocities in the world wars and the other wars. There's a lot of atrocities and sin and unforgiveness in our own lives. So this morning I've chosen to speak about forgiving our debtors. If we want forgiveness with Abba, Father, we have to forgive one another. You read a story like this and it really sets the tone for brokenness and contriteness and sadness. As I read that story, I could have just cried, but I felt like I needed to be more professional and try to get through the moment. Because if you really feel the, the passion of this writing, you feel that somebody longed to be forgiven. Well, maybe yours isn't recorded in a book, but somebody's died in the past, or you've been through a situation and you didn't extend forgiveness, and you had the power within. So it resonates. So the message truth there is it's not natural, but it's supernatural activity. Our need for forgiveness, fill in the first blank, our need for forgiveness is a daily need, just as bread is. Last weekend, we talked about, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, may we forgive as you have forgiven us. There it is again. There's this daily walk with Christ. There's this daily walk with our Father. 
And we have a need to forgive and to forgive others. And forgiving people is a serious business. It's not optional for the Christ follower. This morning, if I went up and down the rows, and I would not do that. But if we were honest with each other, and most importantly before God, we would go, there is somebody I've not forgiven. And if you merely mention their name, I get nauseated. My stress, my blood pressure rises because I've not made it right. This person may or may not come to you in your lifetime. You may or might not go to them. But God says forgiveness is for the house of God. In the Amplified Bible, this forgiveness of others is expressed as having let go of the debts and giving up resentment against our debtors. In other words, we, we let go. We're hooked to the bench. We're chained. We're leashed. And we won't let go. We're like, no, you've wronged me. You, you've pained me. You, you hurt me. You, you wounded me. I lost sleep because of you. And in this service this morning, in 2008, you're still carrying the pain of unforgiveness and bitterness and poison and possibly sickness in your body and disease because you're not willing to forgive. Forgiving our sins as Christ forgives us in the same way that we've been forgiven, we need to forgive others. We, we know this message. It's, it's the message of the gospel. And yet, if you're like me, I struggle with it daily. Forgive others. Somehow I feel like I should have my right, that I shouldn't be wounded. I've been offended. And God says, lay your offenses at the cross of Calvary. And he's saying it to all of us this morning. So this message is going to touch place in a lot of hearts. There's a vital connection between prayer and forgiveness. Not forgiving is one of the most common hindrances to our prayer lives. You say, Pastor, my prayer life doesn't seem to be vibrant. It's not alive. I don't seem to connect with the Father of Heaven. Well, I asked a simple question. Is there unforgiveness in your heart? And if you ask the Holy Spirit, He'll point it to you. He'll show you maybe there's one or two or ten. And if you'll get that right with Him, and if He calls you to go and get it right with another, I think your prayer life could be elevated to a new level this morning, church. But when we don't forgive, we go, well, you don't know. They did this to me. Friend, it doesn't matter what it's been. I mean, if we can read a story like I opened with, killing people with no reason because they were ordered by a government to kill the Jewish race, or we were ordered to kill somebody, or you were abused in your situation, or whatever your a sin that's been done to you, forgive. If we don't forgive, we walk in prison throughout our lives. And this morning, I think God wants to set the house free. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 talks about it. But listen to Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So he says when we stand to pray, when we come into the house of God, when we stand in the marketplace, when we do life together, if we don't forgive, let's forgive and then let's speak to God. Because there's power. There's brokenness. There, there's joy. See, God's forgiveness toward us in our daily lives depends on our willingness to extend forgiveness. I want you to write that word down. Extend forgiveness. Extend grace. Embrace grace for yourself that you might extend grace to another. Jesus said it this way, if you've been forgiven much, you will forgive much. How many of you feel like you've been forgiven much this morning? Wow, all your hands didn't go up. You don't really have a good evaluation of yourself. Let me just tell you, friend, you're a serious sinner. I wouldn't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. How about you? We are sinful. 
And we need cleansing. And it's not just once at salvation. We need cleansing daily in our soul. And God says His unforgiveness and grudges that when we have grudges and we have bitterness and we have unforgiveness in our heart, we can't focus on Him. So this morning, I'm, I'm just wondering, you're saying, well, my focus on God's not what it was or what I know it could be. Then you're at a new place. Because maybe today you're going to get breakthrough. I like this. It says forgiveness is to be without limits. How many of you would like to drive without limits? I would love sometimes to drive without limits on the interstate, on the roads. That would just be so stinking cool. In the Audubon in Germany, they do that. But when they have crashes, they're deadly. I mean, severely, when you're running 130, 140 miles an hour, I mean, man, you could do some serious damage when steel hits steel. You know what I'm saying? You're saying, but yeah, but I could get there really fast. Well, you could. And, and sometimes all these limits on us. But forgiveness is that thing that God says, I want forgiveness to be without limits. You're saying, well, I don't know. I, I, I can exercise the speed limit or I could eat without limits. Some of you are like, well, I'd love to eat without limits. My goodness, my wife's got me on a diet. And that's like, man, we eat celery and... And green trees and stuff is just horrible. And we eat, it has no seasoning. I, I've heard those stories all through my life. I remember when my dad used to be on my diet. He, man, he'd come in murmuring and complaining. And you know what? I'm kind of like him sometimes when Donna says, you need to eat healthier. But she does a great job of making it good. But, you know, without limits. Forgiveness without limits. Listen to Nehemiah 9.17 from the Living Bible. It might be a little different from yours, but I like how he said it here. You are a God of forgiveness. Always ready to pardon, a gracious and merciful, full of love. God is what? He's always, not sometimes, He's always ready to forgive. That's not like us, is it? I don't know, I'll forgive you when I feel like it. I'll forgive you when you make it right. God says, no, I'm always willing to forgive. Peter came to Jesus in Matthew 18, 21. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I'll tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, 70 times seven, 490 times, unlimited. In the Jewish law, basically they would forgive like four times. And Jesus just came and like, look, I've got something deeper and more profound as Jesus would often do. And he goes, you need to forgive so much that there's no limit on your forgiveness. Your, your forgiveness continues and continues and continues. And so how about ours? I read a story in study for today, and it was a story about Rwanda where a lot of Americans, uh, you know, we probably didn't even know until several years ago about that African community and genocide and all the things that happened and uh, the tribal war and the horrific bloodshed that was shed there in that nation. And I read the story of Rwandans that were brutally slaughtered and massacred in their life. But this one story really grabbed my attention. It said there was this one... And they said, I'm trying to look for the healing road. There was a son of a lady named Deborah was murdered in an act of ethnic vengeance. And months after the killing, a young woman visited Deborah with an amazing confession and said, I killed your son. So take me to the authorities and let them deal with me as they will. I have not slept since I shot your son. And every time I lie down, I see you praying. And I know you are praying for me. As, as extraordinary as that young man's words were, Deborah's response was, I don't want you to restore justice, or I do want you to restore justice by replacing the son you killed. I'm asking you to become my son. I'm going to adopt you into my very own household that you might bring justice in our land. That's love, isn't it? I mean, you know, if somebody murders your child, can you imagine somebody drunken 
killing your teenager. And you having the capacity, only grace can do this, to forgive another. When you forgive debts, when you forgive trespasses, we're like God. When we don't, we're like the prince of the world, Satan himself. In the Greek, there's the word aphema. And it means to let be, to send away, to release the debt, to send this, uh, this debt away, to push it far off from us. That's what it means to release somebody, to forgive. But in, in our natural, we hold on and we continue in forgiveness. See, forgiveness is a choice that you and I make. It's a choice. And some of us make that choice rather quickly to forgive. And honestly, there's some in here today, you know, man, I'm, I'm not a very forgiving person. Uh, I know, I don't know that possibly, but I promise you, the people that know you, they know. They know if you hold sin over them. They know that if you hold situations over them. Because God knew that forgiveness would be difficult. And that's why He puts forgiveness all throughout Scripture. And in the Lord's Prayer, He speaks about it. And then He comes back and He makes the point again because He knew forgiveness would be impossible without His strength, without His support. In this pattern model prayer we've been covering called the Lord's Prayer, He talks about forgiveness. And when we don't forgive, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And we nullify His power I like what R.T. Kendall said. A refusal to forgive means that God stands back and lets you cope with your problems and your own strength. So this morning you're going, well, that's why it's not working out. I'm doing this in my own merit, in my own strength. That's right. And God somehow just releases you to do that until you're ready to come clean and agree with Him that, Father, I've sinned against you or I've sinned against that person. And God says, I want you to, to move past where you are. Isaiah 55, 7, write down the reference. Let the wicked leave their way of life and change their ways of thinking. Let them turn to the Lord. Our God is merciful and our God is quick to forgive. I love that. Our God instantly forgives. He's quick. He rushes to forgive us when we acknowledge and admit our sin before Him. Man, I wish I could be more like God. And you and I can if we're willing, but somehow we hesitate. We delay to give our forgiveness. We want to, can we be real? We want to rub it in, don't we? <laughs> Man, I got this person squirming. Man, they've sinned against me and I'm going to make it miserable for them. Anybody do that besides me? Hello? You're in the house of God. Don't lie. In the book of Acts, they dragged out everybody that lied. They just were dead. Just pulled them out. Aren't you glad God didn't do that today? I mean, could you imagine how many were drug out dead of church this, this Sunday morning in Montgomery? Churches all across, they were dragging dead people out for Jesus. I mean, yeah, you know, wow. There would be a revival, I will assure you of that. Well, you know, I can't believe what I'm fixing to do. Donna, forgive me for this, sweetie. There is a country artist that has a serious twang. And he wrote, no, I'm not going to sing, baby. It's not that bad. And I want you to hear, he kind of gives the concept of what I'm talking about, how we like to dig up stuff. Listen to this from the 1980s, Mr. Randy Travis. Let's thank Randy Travis for that song. How about that? Some of you are going to give your heart to Jesus right now, aren't you? You've been waiting for some good country music at church. Some things are just better left alone. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, go with me. Four. Okay, then I'll get back on task after a song like that. Now, y'all tell the next people in the next service to clap. Okay. Four steps in forgiving others. Number one, if you want to forgive, 
You're hurt. You're wounded. You've been transgressed against. It's painful. You you feel it. You take it in. You hold on to the offense. And and in this woundedness, you you don't want to release it. And, and, And when you're hurt, it's a signal to you that forgiveness is needed. We've all been hurt. Maybe we've been hurt today. We've been hurt this week. I will assure you we'll be hurt sometime this next week. Secondly, there's a hating that comes in this forgiveness. We want the other person to suffer. We want to hold it over their head, as I said. We, we can't, we want to be godly, but not right now. We, we, we want to construct speeches that demean them, that slander them. Do you know what I'm saying, church? I'm afraid you do. The third thing is, then a healing needs to come. The healing of Jesus. The healing of the Spirit. That we begin to see with new eyes. That God even begins to heal our memory of the situation. And that's when we're on a better road to forgiveness. But then the fourth one I like, then there's a coming together. We come back together with that person. Or those people. There's been a departure. There's been heartache. There's been separation. And now you're saying, I want to welcome you back into my life. When I just say that right there, some of you are going, I need that to happen for me this week, today. There's somebody that I'm estranged from and I need to welcome them back. I need to let them know there's a, there's a path that's open. I won't hold the door shut any longer. We need to forgive just as we have been forgiven by Father God. Y'all, this is so easy to preach. Oh, wow, it's fun to preach. It's so hard to exercise, isn't it, church? It's so hard to practice. But if we will, man, we'll be free. So listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 2. God forgives me completely. He has forgiven all your sins. He's utterly wiped out the evidence of broken commitment, which always hung over our heads. And He's completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. He triumphed over the cross in Jesus Christ. He completely forgives. There's five symptoms of an unforgiving spirit. You'll have to write this in. I, I found this after I had done your notes. Number one, you can't stand to be around certain people. If there's unforgiveness, if you mention their name, if they come into your presence, you go, no, I don't want to be around them. And you just feel, you know what I'm saying? Your blood pressure rises. Your stress level gets tough. You get an attitude. Secondly, you want to strike out at them. When certain subjects are discussed with these people in mind, you're tense. And sometimes we do physically want to hit them. And you sweet ladies don't want to hit them. You just want to give them a lashing with your tongue. Third, you lose your temper over little things when there's unforgiveness in your heart. You just blow up about insignificant things. And that's really not the thing. The issue was something else, but it just unleashed because it was in your heart. Wickedness. Fourth, you struggle with guilt over things of the past. And you carry that guilt to bed. You wake up with that guilt. And that guilt, man, that guilt shuts you down. And this kind of guilt's not the guilt God wants to produce. And fifth, you find yourself hating the ones you should love the most. Somehow in your heart, if you're honest, you just go, I don't like you. I hate you. And God says, there's no place for that in the life of a believer. But you need to have compassion on them. Micah 7.19, I've always loved this verse. I mean, this is one of those verses of Scripture that encourages a Christ follower. Let's read it together. Can you do that? You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. 
and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. How many of you are glad that God takes our sin when we confess it to Him and He hurls it as far as the east is from the west and He hurls it into the deepest sea and He goes, no fishing! Do you get excited about that? Oh no, man, Pastor, I just want to sing Digging Up Bones one more. No, you don't! You see, you, you didn't think, how can he get theology out of a country song? It's easy. Just do the opposite. <laughs> think about it. See, I used to listen to a lot of country music and R&B and this and that and, man, everything. I just, I love, I love music. And, and after I became a Christ follower, I, I was sitting there singing some of these country songs and I'm like, man, this is like trash. This is like depression. And I'm like, and I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't be singing these songs, you know? And, and so today when you went, He's going to play Randy Travis. Well, I understand Randy Travis has got a testimony today. Praise God. I don't think he had one in 1980. But anyway, but this song illustrates truth. Thank you, God. Truth. So as we go through that, we just see here that God wants us to... I I like this. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103.12. Don't you love that song that Adam and the band did this morning, East to West? That is an anointed song. And I, I told Adam in the state, I said, Adam, you gotta do this song. You gotta do it this weekend. And I'm so glad. And you know what? I get to hear it next service again. I love that song of worship. There's a call to exercise forgiveness. Let's move there. Hey, as a principle of life, we have to exercise forgiveness. Luke says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. See, all through scripture, God hammers his principle because he says, You've got to stand in need of mercy. You've got to exercise it. If you want to walk in the anointing, you've got to release forgiveness. Let me give you a definition of anointing. Anointing means the spiritual power of God is stirred up in your life. There's a release of power. And there's no release of God's power in your life if you walk in unforgiveness, church. Teenager, if you walk in unforgiveness, there's no victory. But if you let it go, He forgives freely. To those that come to him. You can't buy forgiveness. You can't bargain. You can't go, please, 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 God. Please, God, please. He gives it. He's a gracious God when we make it right. In, in the Greek, the word comes from homo agio. And homo there meaning, or homeo, however you want it, homo, it means same, similar. And when we come to this agreement with God, then there's a place of victory for us. And then I want you to look at the point B. Within the church, there needs to be forgiveness. We need to exercise it. The Lord's Prayer echoes this forgiveness thing that I'm I'm trying to hammer this morning. It's, It's the mandate for believers. Colossians. Listen to the Word of God. This is a great verse. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us that follow Jesus, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And then here he goes. He's going to get us. Forget, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Just circle the word forgive every time or forgave every time you say it in that paragraph. God's all about forgiveness. We all have a need to be forgiven of sin when we come to Jesus Christ. We have a need to be daily forgiven. We have a need to daily extend forgiveness and forgive others and be forgiven. There's nothing like when we get it right, is it? How many of you blow it? How many of you blew it this week? Anybody blow it besides me and you had to ask forgiveness? Anybody? Just just me? Uh, many of you? A bunch of you just don't tell the truth sometimes. I'm just de- determined. 
I don't think you're near as saintly as you think you are. Well, or, or maybe that's your problem. You are self-righteous. That's another message. I'm sorry. Anyway, let me tell you, when we blow it, we need to go to people and tell them. How many of you like to iron? Here's my illustration. You like to iron? Well, this morning I need to iron some. And, and when I left the house, Donna and I had done a really good job. And, and man, it looked, but you know, when you wear linen, man, you just get in the car and the seatbelt goes wrinkle. And then I taught a class wrinkle. So by the end of the day, I'm like, just like I slept in it, okay? But I think we maybe had a word this morning. I had to ask forgiveness. See, I'm, man, I get to live out this stuff that I preach to y'all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you laughed. Okay. Well, how about y'all? Do you live out forgiveness? Well, no, we, we withhold forgiveness in our house. We just beat them up, brother. Yeah, I know. That's what your family looks like. They're all wounded. They're bleeding emotionally. So God says, be forgiven. Uh, develop that culture of grace. It's easy to talk about, but man, it's hard to do it. Um, here's one. This could happen to teenagers or adults. Somebody promises to do something for you. They, they promise to, to pick you up at a certain time. And they forget. Has that ever happened to anybody and you're standing out in the cold? Or the rain? And what'd you do? Well, first of all, you never asked him for a ride again, did you? You're just like, look, man, you're just, you're a chump. I, I ain't, I ain't messing with you. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is just crazy. Okay. Let's move on here. So listen to what Matthew says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man, that is one of the hardest verses in all the Bible. I'm still trying to get my hands around this. Love my enemies. Pray for those that are nasty to me. And I've often said, God, I don't like this verse. And he basically says, I don't care. I want you to do it. Those that come against me in the name of Jesus and those that come against the things of God, God says, pray for them, love them. And I like what Jeremiah 31, 34. Write that down, Jeremiah 31, 34. I, the Lord, will forgive and forget. I will forgive and forget their sins. See, our God is all about forgetfulness when we get it right. But we will sometimes say, God, you remember two years ago when I sinned so greatly against you? And I think God goes, huh? What are you talking about? If you got it right with him. But man, in the human, we remember what somebody did in the year 1967, 1982, 1997, 2007, 2008, last Tuesday, 3.30 p.m. I was at the so-and-so red light. We remember, don't we? We just have that ability. God says, let it go. Release it. Walk in freedom as we come into God. You know, uh, some of you this morning, I want to speak a word to you. Some of you, uh, <laughs> that little kid's having fun. Some of you didn't grow up with both parents. And you're still mad. Sitting in this service today, I just struck something. My simple word to you is extend forgiveness to that parent you're still holding a grudge against. That little girl's got a voice on her. She needs to come in and sing next service. Okay. So when you and I receive forgiveness, we obligate ourselves to extend forgiveness. Did you hear that? When you and I receive forgiveness, we're obligated by God to extend it back to others. So if we want to receive it, we have to give it. God, teach me and the friends here today to dispense forgiveness because forgiveness doesn't make sense, but it's the Christ way. Debt canceled. I love what Andy Stanley said. At the cross, we lost our excuse not to forgive. Don't you like that? Listen to that again. At the cross, we lost our excuse not to forgive. Because if we go to the cross and we go, God, would you forgive my sin? Then we have to give it up. So Christ comes to save us. He comes to save us from unforgiveness. 
and bitterness and resentment and grudges. But he says, release it. Be free. Let's go back to the main text. Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us even this morning. Lord, we all have a need. But I believe this morning some people are saying, this message is for me. So as Jeremy plays, can we just pull into the Lord in a quiet place? Would you do that? Would you close your eyes and just pull into a quiet place with me? Lord, still our hearts right now. Still us, mighty God. We all have a need for forgiveness and we've been accepted as part of the family of God in Jesus Christ. Even though we deserve punishment and death and rejection, you said, come into my house and be my child. And many of you have done that. And that person's name is Jesus that makes it right. So the only way to be allowed into God's heaven is on the basis of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The person that loves you the most is Jesus. Have you welcomed the Son of God into your life today? Have you asked Him to be your Savior? To take away your sin? If you're willing to do that, He'll receive you right now, ever so quickly. I encourage you to run to the mercy seat of God right now, friend. There are young and old people in this room right now that need to be forgiven. And you know who you are because the Holy Spirit is pointing it to you. Would you cry out to God this morning in simple faith and say, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I need to be forgiven. I need you as my Lord. Come into my life and cleanse me by your blood. And be my Savior and my King. I receive you now, Jesus, and your forgiveness. Teach me to live for you every day. I receive your cleansing.